Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! It's a special donors-only episode of Jordan Jesse Go with guest Janet Varney. Thank you, donors. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Donors, we salute you. Yes, you are the only ones listening to this. Absolutely. Uh, unless you've shadily recorded it and put it up on a BitTorrent or something like that. Just so you know, if you're listening to this and you're not a Max Fund donor, a ghost is going to kill you from your VCR. It's true. Is that? Am I misunderstanding the plot of that one movie? No, a no. A ghost not. came out of a VCR and killed people, right? Yeah. If they watched Jordan Jesse go, you're thinking of the polter poltergeist, right? Uh, joining us on this special program. <laughs> um, Gaslight. That's what I'm thinking of. I was going to say Ghost in the Machine only because it sounds like that machine could have been a VCR. Sure. <laughs> it's true, Janet. They are machines. Isn't yeah. that what the police album was about? It was a concept album, Ghost in the Machine, about a ghost in a VCR. That it was about people. the VHS Betamax Wars. It was. God, they were ahead of their time. Um, our guest on the program, she's the host of uh, Dinner and a Movie on the TBS network. She is the co-founder of the San Francisco Sketch Fest, which just celebrated its 10th year with the Gala Festival featuring Jordan Jesse Go. Um, and some other things of, that are less noteworthy. Yeah, The Sound of Young America. Right? And it was just few, us, and right? And, and basically, oh, you look nice today. Basically nothing else. You look right, nice today. Right. We're on the show with us, right? Yeah. That's true. So. Janet Varney is here with us. It's great to have yeah, you here, Janet. It's great to be here. Anytime I know that I'm part of a blood drive, uh-huh. I'm 100% on board. You'll be receiving juice and cookies at the end of this, oh, by the way. good. I'm already feeling a little faint. This yeah, is actually you. not a blood drive. It's oh. a blood diamond drive. Oh, we're even raising, more interested. We're raising money to build a business oh, getting great. diamonds from underage soldiers in that Central Africa. is wonderful. That's actually much better news because if, I, if my blood could be replaced with blood diamonds, uh-huh. sure, I, my <laughs> entire si- internal system would be shredded in mere seconds. So. You've got to figure Elizabeth Taylor's tried that, She's right? She's got to have tried Didn't it. Didn't she almost die recently? It was probably because she tried to put diamonds in her blood. I'm guessing you're right. I'm guessing that she'll find a way to be ground into a diamondy dust. That's how she and Michael Jackson first became friends. That's right. Discussing the possibility of replacing right. their blood with diamonds. Uh, because they think outside the box. Hello. Especially when it comes to living forever. Especially. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. the star of Blood Diamond, Jaimon Hans. <laughs> Jaimon, Jaimon Hansu, welcome. welcome. It is so great to have you here, Jaimon oh. Hansu. God, you're beautiful. <laughs> he's, he's not going to be saying anything. He's just going to be hanging around looking beautiful. You know what's fun, though, is that all three of us looked in the same direction at the same <laughs> invisible person. We really, there, I guess there's only one area he could be standing, but we all acknowledged him. Well, we, we all have been in improv groups before, yes. and we know that the rule the is, old is bit. go to your where. Our where, in this case, is yeah. a uh, tall Nigerian mm. hunk. What a piece of work. He's yes. a very handsome man. 
just, you just I don't think I think I said what a piece of work and I think that's an insult. I don't think you say someone <laughs> Yeah, Janet. I think you say Elizabeth Taylor, what a piece of work. I don't think you say that beautiful Nigerian man, what a piece of work. That's true. That sounded coming at it sounded racist. I apologize. Nothing we said up till then was racist. <laughs> that was. I can't believe I'm the one who did it. Well, all right. Fair enough. Fine. What can you do? Jaiman Hansu, the great Jaiman Hansu. It's great to have you here, Janet. You look wonderful, as always. Thank you. You guys look great, too, Jesse. Why don't... <laughs> why, don't any of our, why don't any of our gentlemen guests put on an outfit for this show? The truth is, too, guys, honestly, and it's because I know that you always look great and dapper, and you... Always He's look very funny. Thank you. Always <laughs> look comfortable in a great Gatsby kind of a way. Um, but exactly. I was I just wearing... watch the podcast from my balcony. <laughs> I know I you don't do. participate. You sip a, a dry martini mm-hmm. and stare longingly at the lights sure. of the podcast across the... Wow. Wow. And we're getting about, literary. And think about how much I hate old money. And think about how much <laughs> you hate it. Oh, Well, it's just full of fake... I know. Devoid of emotion people. Sure. Um but uh, but I was wearing my biking clothes, and I did choose this. Do you I'd wear to, like? Oh, not only did I choose this, but look what I found and wow. I've been wearing lately. I didn't even know I still had it. Janet Varney is it. wearing for people who aren't watching this right now, <laughs> which is basically everyone except Several. that peeping Tom over uh. there outside my window. Um, Janet is wearing a new sincerity pin. That we, it features uh, two kitty cats giving each other a hug. Guys, it is so cute. That was made, designed by Dan Grayson, um, the guy who wrote the original theme music for The Sound of Young America, I think when we were in college. Yeah, this is some... I've had this pin a long time. This must have been... crazy vintage. This must be something that we, that you probably got around year three of San Francisco Sketch Fest. That's my best guess. Yeah, and I couldn't find it for a long time. It's one of my favorite pins. And I couldn't find it for a long time. You and then turned a couple out months to be in your treasure box. Out, and it was in my, it, was, it sort of was in my treasure box, embarrassingly enough. Uh, it, it was, was right with next grandma's to grandma's pearls. It, 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 they're not pearls, but they're Wedgwood porcelain beads that my uh-huh. great aunt Wanda gave me. Yeah, great aunt Wanda. Great aunt Wanda. Yeah, classic. I was about to say no longer whinnying with us, but that's a <laughs> that's a Dylan Thomas quote. And to quote the great Gatsby and Dylan Thomas, most of your listeners have turned off already. It's too much. They're already angry and wait good. To quote the great Gatsby and Dylan Thomas, quote, most of your listeners have turned this off already, unquote. (laughs) All right. Maybe not. Dylan Thomas has written us a few angry letters. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Well, Before he, he died on the bar lot. stool. Yeah, he drinks an awful lot, so he just is angry at everyone. He writes everyone angry letters. So don't take it the personally. the great mushroom man from Super Mario, uh-huh. our princess is in another castle. Oh. <laughs> So true. I would like I would like to see all of our guests coming in looking their best. I know. I went on uh Dominic uh from Derek Comedy's show uh, last night at the Smod Castle. I visited the Smod Castle. And uh hey, I put on a suit and tie. You got to put on a suit and tie. You got to respect the occasion. Yep. Now, as it turned out, there were four paying customers. <laughs> It was a great show. That guy is a very talented guy. Uh, uh, Colton Dunn was on it, did a hilarious mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there were four paying customers, uh, and they were not, I guess, what you would loosely call uh, members of the suit and tie community. Okay. Were they wearing barrels? Jorts. 
Oh. They were members of the trippy blacklight poster community, right? Yeah, more or less. More or less. I met a really nice man who told me uh, that he does a comic book podcast for the Kevin Smith Network called Bagged and Boarded. That he was inspired to start a podcast by The Sound of Young America, the first podcast he ever subscribed to, which was very nice of him. That is that coupled with my new sincerity pin. I know everything's coming up, Jesse. It kind of is old school. Wish I had a nice story to tell, but I don't. Hmm. Do you have a terrible, sad story to tell? Yeah, but I don't. It hardly seems like the time. I'd bring down the mood. The the Smod Castle um, is in this neighborhood in Hollywood that is kind of. It's on Santa Monica Boulevard. Is that the real name of it? Yeah. It's because... Am I dumb that I have not... Smod Smod Cast is Kevin Smith's podcast. Okay. Um, In Smith, Smod. Um, And uh, he built a performance venue. He didn't build it. He rents a performance venue. Yeah. And um, although I now understand that he does it in Culver City at Universal City Walk... Oh, yeah, you know, that's actually, I think that's actually technically Burbank. Oh, Burbank, excuse me. Universal, uh, at the Universal City Walk, which is kind of this big oh, I've been. $10 to park chain restaurant. Yeah, Fuck I you. went and saw a movie there when I first moved here, not knowing what, I, you know, you just not sort of go where, where the getting movie theater into, is, yeah. and then realized I was going to an amusement park. Sure, right. Minus. Uh-huh. But I'm sure at <laughs> least your viewing, uh, your viewing experience was enhanced by the commentary of the Latino teens also in the theater. And wonderful. They clearly care about the projection, the quality of the sound, right. the smell of what, the seats, one of the our, general <laughs> cleanliness. One of our interns, Marielle, uh, worked at Universal Studios while she was interning here and so a couple of times i would like she had work right after her internship so i would drive her up to burbank to drop her off at universal studios and the just the sheer volume of latino teens like is so overwhelming just the streets are swollen with latino teenagers it's it's almost unimaginable the number of teenage latinos there are yeah, and even uh, and I even noticed walking around the Universal City Walk how uh, you, you can kind of imagine one of these places for people who haven't been to the Universal City Walk. It's you know it's a kind of a big neon extravaganza where they have chain restaurants, but the most and stores and boutiques of things you really need like all magnets. Yes, and all <laughs> all socks. and all glow in the dark stuff. All yeah, um, swords. Yeah, Short store Just that sells sword only store. swords. And yeah. there's like a chain restaurant, but it's the kind of loud, obnoxious Times Square version of that. Yeah, chain restaurant. It is like Times Square. It's like our own little Times Square. Anyway, so I. I, I was noticing the kind of the music they were playing around this, and most of it is kind of appropriate music. Uh, Morrissey. You know, uh, well, uh, <laughs> most of it is most of it is appropriate. You know, your Florence and the Machines. Pink. Your, yeah, your Pink, that kind of thing. And you're but, bombarded with it. You're saying you noticed it, but really that means you can't hear anything right, but exactly, the music because outside. Because it's being raped into your ear holes. Correct. Um, but yes, every once in a while, every fifth song... Cure or Morrissey. And I am thinking, <laughs> well, like, how? why is this so wildly inappropriate? Oh, yes, the, the Latino, Latino teens. Pop, yeah, they love the Cure and Morrissey. Anyway, the neighborhood around the Smod Castle is, it's kind of, I mean, there were huge parts of Los Angeles that are kind of desolate wastelands, but this is, like, right in the middle of Los Angeles, but there's, like, I don't know, some used car lots, 
and some clubs there. This is Santa Monica and what? This is Santa Monica and what is this, Jordan? What are we looking at? Oh, uh, this is, uh, I think specifically this is uh, Melrose sure. between La Brea and Highland. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're walking around there. And I, I once had an improv class there. And so I knew the neighborhood a little bit, but not the Saturday night version of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the shadiest place I've ever been. I say this as <laughs> I say this as an inner city youth who you know w- walked through housing projects to get to church and things. <laughs> but uh, like th- it was so so shady because it had these two things going on. One was it was very urban. Uh, the other was it was completely abandoned, mm-hmm. except for the people who were standing in line for just the low rentist clubs Oosh. at like nine thirty at night, oh. who are getting in on the early bird rate on these clubs and also prostitutes. Mm-hmm. There was just, but it was so cold here in Los Angeles. It actually snowed in parts of Los Angeles yesterday. Um, it was so cold at night. That all the prostitutes were in cars, but they were like five to a car. And so we're walking away. Are you sure they weren't clowns, Jesse? <laughs> it's possible. I know you often There confused. would have been way more than five. It was yeah, something that I think about when I jack off. Uh, so it could have been could have been either one. Oh, now it's so cold outside. It. It's so cold. It also could have been woolly mammoths. Yeah. Um, diverse interests. I was walking home, with, and my wife was with me, and one of my wife's friends was with me. And we're walking, or we're walking to the car, excuse me, and we're on a kind of slightly dark street. There's two cars full of prostitutes and a pimp standing outside the cars. He's clearly a pimp. Like, at first I was like, is this just a guy who's getting ready to go into the club? Like, he's going to get high before he goes into the club or something? But no, he was a pimp. And he's wearing, like, a Steve Harvey suit and uh, smoking a cigarette. And uh, as, as we're, like, walking up, I realize what's going on. I'm like, shit, well, there's no turning back now. And uh, he just says, hi there, folks. Oh, how He was you? a very friendly gentleman. Not, gentle. not hi there, bitches. No, not hi folks. there, bitches. Hi there, trick. Not high trick, not high ho. Not unlike maybe what Steve Harvey would have said. If, are you sure it exactly. wasn't him? It probably was Steve Harvey. Hi Wouldn't there, it be folks. great if Steve Harvey was running a prostitution ring? It sure the whole, would. The giant, the giant teeth were just in front. <laughs> I'm wondering if you are a prostitute and you're car bound for the night because of the cold, how you get people's attention. Do you just tap on the window? Do well, I think the pimp the was radio? standing outside to oh, get people's attention. But it attention. is kind of a reverse. Usually you have the pimp in the car right. yeah, and the yeah. girls on the yeah, street. Yeah, it was odd. So we walked past that and like we're two thirds of the way down the block. And our car is uh, uh, our car is in front of us and to the right around the corner, but there's a parking lot so you can kind of see around the corner. And we look, and about a block away, it's kind of dark. I see six guys in sort of a group walking our direction. Again, we're like a block away, so they're pretty far away. And I'm looking at them and thinking, man, I don't know if we should walk through these six guys. Like, you know, my, my you know, inner city spidey sense is tingling. But on the other hand, I'm sort of foolhardy because of my inner city youth. I think that no one is going to fuck with me. I'm the same way. Even if I'm wearing a necktie and a pocket square and a cashmere <laughs> scarf. And uh, then I'm looking at them a little bit more closely and I realize one of these guys is carrying a baseball bat. What? Who 
Who carries a baseball bat? What is this? The Warriors? <laughs> this is this uh, so much of what you've described, except for the weird flip flop of the girls in the car. But like to know that the there's a reinforcement for the Steve Harvey suited pimp. To know that there really is a group of six guys, one of which is carrying a baseball bat, feels like it was really like it was as though I was in a comedy about. A rich guy that got dumped in the slums of New York City in 1978. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it's worth mentioning about this neighborhood that it's like, okay, if you're a white guy and you go into a neighborhood and you feel uncomfortable, a lot of times it's just because the neighborhood has a primary race and you're not it. This particular neighborhood, race has nothing to do with how shady everybody is. No, this, this is, is a... There are there it's are a rainbow. Shady, oh, it is. It is whites, rainbow. Mexicans, Agreed. Asians, and I'm glad you're pointing that out because I didn't want it to seem like this was all about race. It is yes. really not. They it is the all... world's sleaziest Benetton ad. Yes, <laughs> they are all equally jittery and sweaty yep. and wide-eyed. Yep. Look midnight. hungry. Yeah, 38 years old in line for a club. Oh yeah, just real. Uh, my experience in this same neighborhood. Um, I was at I was at one of these bars that's on this strip. Uh, Janet, you maybe have maybe know it as the place where they do Point Break live. Oh, I've heard of, but I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah. There's a, these people who do this kind of goofy stage version of Point Break, and this is the place that they have it. And the clientele was what you would expect at a place where they do Point Break Live. It was you know, kind of kind of early 30s goofy hipsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I was... The Jordan community. Sure, uh-huh. absolutely. My people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was comfortable there, uh, and I was there with a group of, you know, maybe, maybe seven or eight people. Uh, but around 10 o'clock, shit just flipped. It filled up basically immediately... Uh, with African-American women with elaborate hairdos. And something started going on on stage. And this is... I don't know what this is, but let me describe it. This is something I should say that when this happened... Jordan called me and asked me, what is this thing? Oh, wow. Because he knew that I enjoy going to rap concerts. True. You've, I've known that for um, a long time. And he thought maybe this was just what a rap concert is. So here's what happened. Okay. Uh, about four women got up on stage. This was, There was two African-American women, one kind of voluptuous redhead and, and, a, and a Latina woman mm-hmm. uh, uh, who were dancing very nastily. Uh, this was they were basically being as nasty as you can get with your clothes on, and when I say clothes, I mean like bra, bras and short shorts. Okay. So they were being as nasty as one can be while dancing. They were being nasty girls, if you will. Sure. <laughs> and then two men in Steve Harvey suits mm-hmm. were up on stage, and there was a DJ playing music. The men in Steve Harvey suits were not rapping. But they were just drinking out of pimp cups and kind of waving at the audience, swaying back and forth. Like chalices, like golden chalices. Oh, yeah, like goblets. These are goblets. Uh, clearly made of plastic, but goblets. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of generally sauntering around, but not really doing anything. Were they on a stage of any kind? Yes, this was a stage. Okay. What is this? Is this a thrust stage? Is this a proscenium and the stage? Is, the music isn't music without lyrics. It's no, music with this lyrics. Is like, and I recognized some of the songs as popular yeah. songs. Yeah. 
what is this? They didn't introduce it in, and it's like, and now, you know, Dave and Lucky's bodacious lady butt around. Like, it was just, it just started happening. Uh-huh. And all of that started happening at the same time. What is that? Did you have an answer when that phone call came in? I am not familiar with this. <laughs> when, the, when the rap phone rang? Like this, the bat phone? This falls outside of my experience. Certainly. If a rapper yells something, I know what to yell back. Okay, all right. Uh, if two men are wandering confusedly around a stage <laughs> holding pimp chalices and drinking from them, I do know this. Once when we were in college... San Francisco rapper Rappin Forte uh, was hired by the African American Engineers Association, uh, <laughs> Student Engineers Association, to perform a, co- a performance at our college. Mm-hmm. Now, Rappin Forte, of course, people might remember his hits Players Club and I Get Around. Um, great San Francisco rapper, Rappin Foe. And um, he, he did two things. First of all, he was worried that no one, no one came to his concert at first. There was no opening act. Um, and no one was there. So he just went into the residential halls and started knocking on people's doors and saying, Hi, I'm Rappin' Forte. I'm oh. about to do a show downstairs. Do you want to come? I enjoy that. Um, at which point my friend uh, Kalayan uh, had a beer with him. That's very cool. And was really excited to say that you she had a beer with Rap and Foe. You should knock on doors if that's the situation. And then he did what I would say is a classic rap concert move, which is if you're not the kind of rapper that makes their money from doing shows, which is, which is to say that you're, a, you're what they might call a mainstream rapper or hood rapper, but you're also not famous enough to be doing a, arena tours with... Uh, you know, Rihanna or whatever, um, you're in that in-between area, you don't really do shows. There's no, just not a lot of club shows for the dragons of the world or whatever, these mid-tier. Wait, wait, Jesse. So you're saying that scene in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 where they break into a club where Vanilla Ice is doing a concert, you're saying that's unrealistic. You're saying that Vanilla Ice probably wasn't playing a small, intimate club venue at that point in his career. No, what I'm saying is, if he were, I don't think that the Turtles would be able to get into the club without doing ninja stuff. Uh, They were doing ninja stuff. That's how they got into the club? Uh, I mean, I think they busted through a wall or something. I cannot, it's been a while. I think it, I guess what I'm saying is I don't remember the movie. I'm just saying the unrealistic part in my mind is that the Ninja Turtles could get fake IDs. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. that's extremely reasonable because they couldn't just get it from their big brother. Yeah, that's or whatever. a reasonable doubt. So they look kind of like so. Right. Rap and Forte did this thing. The show was in the dining hall, and Rap and Forte did this thing, which a lot of your less performance-oriented rappers will do which is he just played a CD of his best songs and just rapped. They rap into the microphone. With but himself? It's, but with himself. I love it. They just play a CD because it's like the lowest budget performance you can do. You yeah. don't even have to get um, instrumentals of your songs. <laughs> you just rap along to your CD. Um, and he also apparently took a couple women on stage and like freak, freaked them while they sat in chairs. That sounds good. So that is a thing. 
But that still involves. But that still a involves an instrument yeah. like it a CD does. of music recorded. This sounds almost like a drag act. Uh, well, I was gonna say. I mean, obviously, the way you described it, and certainly when the word chalice comes into play, I don't have sure. a choice but mm-hmm. to think that this Medieval is times. yeah a contemporary version <laughs> of two. You know, a, a couple of kings, maybe a king and a prince. Yeah. Um. Just you know, making merry with the subjects. Sure. Some beautiful women. The, s- the serfs. Some music and some entertainment. And need they do anything more than sort of wave as in, you're welcome. Just presiding over Here they court. are. Here we are. You're welcome. You know who it probably was? Hmm. Early 1980s Los Angeles rappers, uh, Arabian Prince and King T. Oh. Yeah. That's probably it. And they were just welcoming everyone to the court of the Arabian Prince exactly. and King T. Right? Okay. Yeah, problem solved. Sure. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Jana Varney, intrigued. Oh. I'm not so much about the nouns, just the adjectives. This is a very special uh, donors only Mm -hmm. episode of Jordan Jesse Go. We thank all of the donors out there who make what we do possible. If you're a donor and you're listening to this with other people around who might not be donors, please ask them to leave the room. Or bare minimum, give you money. Yeah, that you can can send to us. Well, I mean, they could just keep the money. Oh, okay. You know what? They here's the deal. But we don't want people making money off us. We just, yeah. Come on. What if we start a protection racket? <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be good. Like you have your little parties and you charge ten bucks to yep. people who listen to the show with you. But if you don't want any bad shit to happen to your party, i.e., a ghost from a VHS, for example, out, those people. For example, Wait, so are yeah. you suggesting we become? Kind of ghost busters? <laughs> In a sense. A cross between ghost bu- busters and uh, mobsters, yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say a cross between the ghost busters and the real ghost busters. Well, speaking of, <laughs> speaking I, of busting... I'm going to be half Bill Murray, half purple gorilla. <laughs> I'm just wondering, also, uh, speaking of busting through, I wanted to yes. ask you if all of the members uh, of the audience of the Vanilla Ice show were relieved that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles saved them from the show. <laughs> like, oh, thank busting you. through the well, wall. Here, if I remember correctly, here's what happened. Vanilla, uh, the turtles were fighting mutants at this, other mutants, kind of evil mutants at this point. Yeah, not all mutants are good. No, that's true. We know this. Uh, um, I think what happened, for a moment, Vanilla Ice was taken aback. But then he was so impressed by the ninja fighting <laughs> that he made up a song called Ninja Rap on the on spot. On the spot. And That's then freestyling. Think, yes. And I think everybody in the audience thought it was maybe part of Vanilla Ice's small club show. Yes. Was that... Okay, I mean, obviously, he's such a genius, the song sounded well rehearsed. Yeah. He was just making it up on the spot. Wonderful. Um, but, but they just assumed that kind of costumed theatrics were part of it. That's what I think happened, and that would have been the best. That would have been the best part about the show, yeah. for sure. Oh gosh! Oh, I would have just while we're talking about sad college shows, uh, and you uh, mentioning sad Vanilla Ice, I should mention this. Uh, I had a friend who uh, who is around the same age as us, late twenties. Who uh, Vanilla Ice came to their college, uh, and this is 
way, way, way after his prime when he would be mm-hmm. going to colleges. Uh, here he opened with Ice Ice Baby. Crowd goes nuts. He stops and then goes into one of his kind of late period rap rock songs. Everyone starts to file out. Mm-hmm. Vanilla Ice, sensing he's losing the crowd, just starts to play Ice Ice Baby again. Oh, jeez, oh, Louise. Bless Isn't him. That neat? Oh, gosh. Could at least a ninja rap. I know, right? You got, <laughs> you got two bullets in that chamber, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I guess the thing, the problem for Vanilla Ice is he's got a lot of overhead because he has to travel with Ninja Turtles. Right. Yeah, right there. So he's got to pay problem. for all that pizza. Yeah, oh, yeah. So There's true. Pizza bills. <laughs> Wait, Jordan, you met, didn't you meet Nicolas Cage the other day? I, I did. I think we yes. need did to focus really? on yeah, yeah. the important oh, shit that's going on in our away. lives. Yeah, no, I know we've been uh, we we've been talking a lot about uh, for Janet. We've been talking a lot about kind of the late career of Nicolas Cage. Okay, I can. Uh, I have plenty to say on that, but you probably already this? said it all. Uh, maybe not. We were t- we talked specifically about the movie Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, which I have. Have but haven't watched yet. <laughs> okay, how do you, how do you say, what do you what do you mean by that? I mean, I started it and thought. <laughs> Am I gonna hold on to this <laughs> on Netflix? And, I, and on, on, it wasn't even Netflix; it was just Directv. Like, oh, okay. oh, I can't believe they made a sequel to Bad Lieutenant, right? And that it's such a long title. Did you know going in that it was directed by Werner Herzog? And I did. And I was okay. just—I just—it was sort of a morbid curiosity. And I—I I only saw the opening scene where he saves a drowning prisoner. Yeah. During Katrina and. Then was like, I don't know if I'm up for this. I want to mention, speaking of Werner Herzog, and we'll get back to Nicolas Cage in a moment, that I saw Werner Herzog's new documentary. It's a 3D documentary about some of the oldest cave paintings in the world in France Mm -hmm. um, that comes out in April. Uh, And it is totally fucking amazing. And it's 3D. It's 3D because the cave cave drawings... Uh Our cave paintings are on the walls of caves, so they're not flat walls. Okay. And they actually, the shape of the walls, I mean, you you understand immediately why it's in 3D it as soon as you... the cave paintings. Yeah, okay, exactly. Right. It's totally amazing. So you... And how was Nicolas Cage in that documentary? Nicolas Cage was spectacular. <laughs> oh, he was totally, he how played, hair? He played oh. a painting of a buffalo. Wonderful. Well, Jen, so I want to ask maybe so you have not seen all of Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. No, I uh, haven't. What do you have any other favorite late period Nicolas oh, Cage work? Oh gosh, well, Knowing. Oh yes, is a real I winner. Have, I was. I have also seen Knowing. Um, what is Knowing? Uh, no, God, how do we describe ooh. it? Nic- Nicolas Cage is like a mathematician who stumbles upon some algorithm that he thinks is predicting the end of the world. And because everything comes everything comes true once you figure out the the what the kind of breaking the code it tells you the latitude and longitude spoiler alert yes. I really have to say that but um but it tells you the latitude and longitude and and then how many people are going to die yeah and it's a lot of him like and it seems to be a lot of his recent work is him as an intense, crazy person who just wanders around and yells at people, and for some reason they take it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, uh, I have also seen Knowing, and yes, that is a great. And they're all, but you're right; they're all sort of like that. I had to kind of think for a second, like it. They've all become just a mishmash in my yeah. head of those, generally those movies, like in hot pursuit of some truth or other. Yes. 
maybe with a sidekick that's a child or a younger snarky person. <laughs> right. And frustration and why won't anyone listen and help me try to save everyone. Right. Um, is that what Drive Angry is Isn't about? that just the hero's journey? <laughs> it really is. He's, re- he's simplified he it. He's taken home. it back to Homer. Yeah, yeah. right. It. Sure. Uh, well, okay. So I saw uh, Drive Angry 3D. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting movie, I think. And it, uh, I, I checked the, I checked the numbers on it on Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, I just have to say quickly though that I loved Kickass. Not to say that it's specifically oh, a Nicolas it, Cage no, no, no. movie, I but think I really it's worth mentioning. He, uh, he keeps popping discussion. up in in movies where you're like, "That's Nicolas Cage, yeah, well, old Nicolas Cage, love it." I didn't like Kickass that much, but I, I thought he it. was hilarious. I just loved it. him and and her. I, I mean, yeah, I could have me gone, too. I could have just had to be them. I thought no, that was, and no actual Kickass. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. But I loved them so much. Kickass was the weak weak link in mm-hmm, Kickass. I mm-hmm. think. Um, but yes, I thought they were terrific, and I thought he was hilarious yeah. and well used. Yeah, and yeah, and I think okay. I saw Drive Angry, and Drive Angry, Nicolas Cage is acting as crazy as Nicolas Cage does, but so is most of the rest of the cast, mm-hmm. and the movie is fucking crazy, just content-wise. Um, it involves Nicolas Cage as a guy who drives a car out of hell so he can get <laughs> revenge on a demon cult. <laughs> uh, but this shouldn't be confused with... The, what he, the, with Dragnet. <laughs> right with skull head that's not what it's called <laughs> ghost rider thank you yes no no this is not ghost rider and skull head was the japanese title <laughs> yeah right uh, skull head adventure time uh-huh um so this is a movie that realizes how fun it is to watch nicholas cage be crazy and constructs this crazy movie around him uh unlike i think uh knowing and Kick-Ass, where I might say that Nicolas Cage realizes that maybe he's in kind of a weak movie and is just doing his darndest to make it fun and interesting. I think that's why he looks so out of place in the knowings and the Wicker Mans and the seasons of the witches of the world is oh, because... Wicker Man is not even a new one. That yeah, is an yeah. old one. Um, uh, because I think he realizes, okay, I'm in this shitty movie. Time to make the best of it. But I think Drive Angry is a real success because it realizes how he can do that and gives him this movie in which to do that and lets him drink beer out of a human skull and fuck with all his clothes on and do all this other crazy stuff. We should put this, though, in the context of the fact that, Jordan, your number one favorite genre of movie is crazy stuff happens. Sure. (laughs) Yes. If you're a fan of the crazy stuff happening Uh film, this is... This is it. Okay, so you loved, um, oh my gosh, what was that movie that everyone hated? <laughs> you, but I, but I kind of loved it too. I kind of loved it too. The Clive Owen movie. Where, oh, Shoot 'em Up. Yeah. Oh, I did love Shoot 'em Up. Shoot I love Shoot 'em Up too. That's good. Paul Giamatti. Yes, and yeah. this is very much in the in the vein of Shoot 'em Up. See, I know this genre. Uh, I respect this genre. Yeah, it's maybe and large. less impressive then I think shoot him up what it had going for it as being just all the kind of stunt work and gunplay was genuinely impressive. Yeah, this is a little less so. It mainly relies on like kind of being funny and outrageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is. Can anyway. I say something that happened to me speaking of gunplay and stunt work? Sure. Um, recently on the television program The Grid, hosted by yours truly and mm-hmm. uh, contributed to by Jordan Morris on IFC Thursdays at 7.45 Eastern. Sure. Um, there was a segment that called for 
this is like a green screen show where I, as the host, am occasionally called upon to do something mm-hmm. silly. Mm-hmm. And I was called upon to defend Los Angeles from invading aliens in a segment about the film Invasion Los Angeles. And so is that what I call it? Battle Los Angeles. Battle Los Angeles. And um, in order to do that, I had to have a gun. And so the wardrobe lady, this is a small staff on this, on this shoot. Uh, the wardrobe lady calls her gun friend. And he comes in and unzips this, uh, what looks essentially like the bag that you use to carry a hockey stick in. Ah. He like unzips it and brings out this giant gun. And no one knows really who this guy is or whatever. (laughs) And everyone, I think, on the set immediately took a step back, completely unconsciously, like, whoa, what the fuck, giant gun. (laughs) Um, and he said, don't worry, it's this not is, loaded. Gun guy is a small Asian man, right? No, no, this was a big Giant white guy. bearded white guy? Big yeah, white I guy, figured. yeah. And um, and he, so okay, so he's got this giant gun out, and he's like, it's not loaded. He, like, looks down the barrel, like, looks in the chamber, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, it's not loaded. And he says, besides, it's not even a real gun. It's just an air gun. There's nothing to worry about. And so it's like, okay. Yeah, that's what Brandon Lee thought on the set of The Crow. So, And in fairness, uh, an air gun you shouldn't be able to see, like an air guitar. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so already this guy's a fucking liar. Yeah, there's a problem. So I pick up this gun and I'm doing the segment. And this segment, this thing is huge and heavy. It requires me to like f- swing it around and like point it and pull the trigger and oh, go, uh-uh, uh-uh, you know, yeah. and the whole nine yards. And then we put it down and... uh uh, the wardrobe lady, he's zipping it back up, and the wardrobe lady says to him, wow, so that's not even a real gun, huh? And he says, yeah, it is. I just told you guys it was an air gun because you all seem so scared. Oh. <sighs> that guy. <laughs> but to be fair, I was pretty scared of it when it was a real gun. Well, yeah. But I think you're supposed to be because that's yeah. the right guns response are scary. to have. Exactly. Yeah, because they can kill things. Side note, and I, this is true, I really thought for a second when you were talking about that you were called upon to defend Los Angeles. Yeah. I really thought that you were saying that someone, that you had to come up with reasons, good reasons why aliens shouldn't destroy Los Angeles. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I couldn't really thought, come up with that many. You assumed uh, that if I were involved in combat, it, it would debate. be rhetorical combat. It would be combat. a debate. Listen, LA's not that bad, aliens. Um, please don't uh, geez, annihilate us. Uh, the weather's nice. Uh, um, you really should have picked somebody else for rap. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really thought that. I... Can we get Jordan over here? <laughs> yep. Hey, guys. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I don't know exactly what that means, except that I could have probably killed someone. Except there was no bullets in it, I guess. Well, but, that, yeah, but now, uh, who even knows if that's true? He probably was like, yeah, and I told you it wasn't loaded because you were all is. prickly about it. Well, I figured no. if I, yeah. the minute I said armor-piercing bullets, you guys would all pee your pants. Yeah. It's the minute I fault. said armor-piercing bullets and I am the angel of death, you guys <laughs> would have freaked out. You guys have a lot of gun stuff on Dinner in a Movie, right? Tons, you and Gil Martin. Tons, tons. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, we're referring, of course, to Paul's biceps. Yeah. are enormous. Pa-pow, that's that woodworking oh, muscle. Oh, wow. He every loves time. woodworking enthusiasts. Every time. <laughs> yeah, that's dovetailing. Dovetailing, that's what he calls it when he pumps his guns. That's right. Ooh, maybe, ooh. I'm going to tell him he should call that. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go.
It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Jana Varney, I've given four pints of blood just in the time I've been sitting here. That's true. The sooner we finish this episode, the sooner you can stop having blood drained from your body. Yeah. <laughs> now I all I was... have to do is look up on the internet how to turn that blood into diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... Look, a few weeks ago on the program, we asked for your suggestions for a segment called Important Information. Uh, This is where we learn about something that it's important to know about uh, and also completely 1,000% not important (laughs) to know about. Excellent. Um, Jordan, what have you got over there? Well, this is a special dispatch uh, of the New York Times dated March 10th, 1876. The headline... Flesh descending in a shower. (laughs) On last Friday, a shower of meat fell near the house of Alan Crouch. Mrs. Crouch was out in the yard at the time, engaged in making soap. (laughs) When meat, which looked like beef, began to fall around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it fell like large snowflakes, the pieces as a general thing not being much larger. Uh, one piece fell near her, which was three or four inches uh, square. Mr. Harrison Gill, whose veracity is unquestionable, and from (laughs) whom we obtained the above facts, hearing of the occurrence, visited the locality the next day, and said he saw particles of meat sticking to the fence and scattered over the ground. Two gentlemen who tasted the meat expressed the opinion (laughs) that it was either mutton or venison. Because it was a little bit gamey, probably. Sure. I am flabbergasted. There's a lot of fun there. There's a Uh, lot of information there. (laughs) A lot of information. Where did this take place? Ohio? Uh, This was in Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Home of the Louisville Slugger Company. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Sourcing policies were a little different in newspapers in 1876. They can just say, two gentlemen whose veracity I vouch for. Absolutely. Like, that was enough. Yeah. I don't need to name them. Uh, Tasted the meat. So what actually happened? And I like how this doesn't even try and draw a conclusion. It just... it does <laughs> like you just you, read the title well, one more time it's for not the It's not the New York Times place to editorialize this about called, the news. No, absolutely not. Flesh descending in a shower. That, by the way, is the sexiest way they could have described right. what actually happened. Sure, it sounds like a That's French film. very sexy. Yeah. This was sent in, by the way, for, by Aaron, mm-hmm. I believe. Thank you, Aaron, for sending this in. So... I mean, probably at this point in journalism, it was just okay to make up something, right? Was this around the time of, like, yellow journalism where you could just, like, make something up as long as it sold newspapers? Or... I think I think reporting the truth was only invented in, like, the 20s, right? Correct. That's my Correct. understanding. Before that, it was all meat rain stories. <laughs> it was Nothing just but meat rain. Meat rain and Mars men. <laughs> That's right. I like, and I like how he makes a, a point to say that the sky was clear in case you thought it was coming from the clouds. Like, so there's the, no the I clouds thought... were thick with meat. Sure. <laughs> there's no there. The, you read the entire. You're telling me you uh, I omitted thing. some parts, but so but, but there's no explanation. No, it's there, just no. At no point does. Do they say? And that's not the National Enquirer of the time. No, no, that is the, that New, is York the New York Times. The New York Times, eighteen seventy-six. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's it's completely 
I, I want there to be an answer. Yeah, and there's I'm really n- upset. Nuts. Well, uh, well, they don't want to speculate. Because I want to say, I'm convinced this actually happened. Okay. Let me be clear on okay, that. Okay, you don't think it's just I'm like... I'm convinced it happened. Sure. They so, asked the guy whose veracity is unquestionable. Yeah. And he saw little pieces of meat on the fence uh, the next there day. There were two people whose veracity was unquestionable. This is Mr. Harrison starts. Gill. Well, it does just say, two gentlemen tasted the meat. It does not say whether or not they are voracious. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that um, these two gentlemen who tasted the meat? Do you think that was one of those things where the new, in the newspaper you can't use the first person? So the two gentlemen is actually the two reporters who are on the story. Oh, it might be, might be right because otherwise they'd say if it was Harrison Gill they'd tell you because that guy's veracity is unquestionable. Yeah, sure. And did they head down to Louisville to do some investigating? And by uh, investigating, I mean, oh, there's a story we need to report on. Also, we like gambling on horses. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, this was just a reporter with a gambling yeah. problem. It's like, I need a reason to go to Kentucky. I don't know, meat rain? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Who's going to say no? That's He tried, he tried uh, because there's a new trend of reporters buying a lot of bourbon. That's right. Sure. Uh, but when they didn't buy that trend piece, he just went with meat <laughs> rain. Right. Pink elephant scene on parade. That was for the style section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> extra, extra. Reporter's wife leaves him. Oh. Um, yeah. A meat rain preceded by a light gravy haze. Ooh. If you want to send us some important information from Wikipedia or another source, it's jjgo at maximumfun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. La, la, la. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Janet Varney, I'm hankering for some questions. Is that bad timing? <laughs> no, that's perfect timing. Really? Yeah, what a, what a fitting nickname. Hey! It is perfect timing. Here's what we did. Since this is an episode for you, the donor, the stalwart, the supporter, the diehard. The good egg. We thought that we would take some questions and just just blow through some questions that you have for us, for me and Jordan, and of course, the great Janet Varney uh, from the San Francisco Sketch Fest and Dinner in a Movie. Okay. Uh, Sneegan, these are, all came to us on, twi- on Twitter, so uh, they're going to have dumb names on them. <laughs> Sneegan asks, is it reasonable to have swimming trunks altered? The answer is yes. I have had swimming trunks altered. They were a little bit too big for me because I lost some weight, so I had them taken in at the waist. If it's a nice pair. It's less expensive than buying new swim trunks. Right? Sure. Yes. Yes. I have like three pairs of swim trunks, and I hate swimming. I don't, I don't like swimming either. Well, I kind of like swimming, but I don't like getting out and then how you feel afterwards if it's like, whether it's salt water or chlorine. I mean, you've got a beach know. bod. There's no doubt about that. Well, Look can't out. stand it. Yeah. Uh, can't stand wearing a bathing suit. Uh, Do you like, you're an Orange County person. Is a beach part of the Mission Viejo lifestyle? Uh, no, no, it certainly was growing up. And now uh, and now my exercise of choice is going to the pool and doing some laps. Um, and in that context, I find bathing suits to be a little difficult. Uh so you just do it nude. So I just mm-hmm. do it nude. Uh, I you swim. have to do it at the Ukrainian swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Or just be comfortable doing it for about five minutes and then going to jail for several days, uh-huh. which I'm fine with. Uh, and yeah, and I've, I've, my problem with that has been, um, you know, a board short, which mm-hmm. it's, you know, in vogue for a gentleman to yeah. wear. 
Uh, the cataract's got to get in the way. Yeah, it doesn't help when you're doing laps. Yeah. You get a lot of resistance, unwanted resistance. Uh, I have worn a Speedo while swimming. It uh, doesn't look good on me. <laughs> I, yeah. get, I get a lot of looks. It definitely is good for... The swimming. For the swimming. Mm-hmm. The happy medium I found recently is the kind of the American apparel uh, kind of looks like it's from the 60s kind of short shorts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't look awful on me. Certainly not flattering, but... Uh, better than a Speedo. Better than a Speedo. And uh, is nice in the water when there's, you know, when you don't have a board short to deal with. You get to show off your beach bod. I do get to show mm-hmm. off I'm just excited bod. about saying beach bod. Sure. Yep. Okay, Nernix for Nur, NN4X0R, says, uh, it's a lady, she says, what should she be when she grows up? Mm. I'm going fireman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or fire dog. God, those are both really good. They're a Dalmatian, that's a really cool kind of dog. Ninix for Nar. Okay, fair enough. What? <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Be yourself. Yeah, be yourself. Yeah, for sure. And just try not to be disappointed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't be disappointed. Just try uh, not to be disappointed. Don't that's bum all everybody. We, out. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. The Andrizzle asks, "Dick pics. When are they appropriate?" No one wants to see a dick pic. That's the thing about dick pics. Even a lady that likes dicks doesn't really want to see a dick pic. I, don't I think. think guys who like dicks probably do like. Oh dick yeah. Pics. No, that's oh, true. Oh, that's, that's true. true. That's a good so point. So maybe it's appropriate if you're trying to, if you're a man and you're trying to entice another gay man into having sex with you. Yeah. Right. Good. Done. That's <laughs> when it's appropriate. <laughs> Solved. Um, Zebart asks, are either of you, or you, Janet, you're welcome to participate in this, starting to get weird old man body stuff yet? Uh, I, find, I found that it happened around age 28 or 29. I know that when I got in a car accident, uh, I never felt right again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My back has been hurting for like a year oh. and a half. No, he wants you so. to say that your nose hair is getting already getting longer, or that's what I think of. I'm like certainly getting a lot balder than I was before. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's I'm a disappointed good, because old man I feel like if I'm gonna get bald, isn't the same testosterone that's making me bald? Shouldn't that be giving me a sweet beard? I would love to. I would Maybe, totally actually. be willing to be bald if I could have a nice if I could have a nice yeah, full beard. I have really wispy facial hair. I really have the worst kind, which is I do have to I do have to shave every day uh, because I have thick dark hair, but it is not full enough to actually grow into anything. That isn't fair. That's a jip. I uh, I recently, Janet, you you'll probably know a little bit about this phenomenon. I would imagine. I uh, saw a commercial that I had auditioned for. I saw it on TV, and I noticed who they had cast, uh-huh. uh, and the guy they cast. Looked basically exactly like me, only he had a thick Zach Galifianakis beard. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's happening a lot right now. Yeah. no, There's a I, lot of Zach Galifianakis and types. And it seems like when people are casting schlubby nerd, which is the kind of role I go out for, the bearded types seem to be very popular. But because, I would imagine, exclusively because of Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. So I'm wondering... It's trending if, right Yeah, now. it's very... I, I Well, maybe by the time I... Grow and keep up the beard, over. it'll be over. But I'm wondering whether or not beard might help my commercial auditioning. Anyway, Janet, do you feel That's like you should a, grow a beard? Yeah, I. You know what? I am. My facial hair is getting longer as I get older. Yeah. And um, this was the first year, that, really, within this last calendar year. I sort of thought, I oh, I just look the same. I it just was 
fine with it. I thought I've kind of just looked the same to myself for the last 10 years. <laughs> and sometime this year, all of a sudden, I see myself aging rapidly. You start to look in the mirror and you see Nina. I see Nina. <laughs> no, I see is my grandmother. I skipped. Mm. I skip a generation, and I and I didn't go from seeing like, oh, this is what my mom and dad looked like when they were this age. I feel like now I just look like my grandmother in some elderly. strange way, and she's elderly. Well, she's not even alive anymore. But uh, but, but even when she was sexy. alive, she was elderly. Yes, the whole time I knew her for sure. Yeah. Um, inappropriate. I see myself as inappropriately much, much older than I am. Okay. This one is about me and Jordan, and I think Janet is going to need to be the one to judge this. Okay. Um, this is from <laughs> Ken Likes Things. Which one of us would win in an arm wrestling contest? Mm, interesting. Good. They're both, they're both gesticulating <laughs> wildly. We're There's doing some... Muscle. It lo- actually, if they were both in 1920s bathing trunks, as aforementioned, yes. Um, I'm going to say, in a weird way, I think it would seem like Jesse was winning, and then Jesse would get cocky at the very end, and Jordan would get so frustrated, and his face would be red, and he'd be like, Argh! and in a last burst, oh, yeah. he would best Jesse, and everyone would be like, wait, I didn't see that coming until the very end. Okay, what? hot dog eating contest. Oh, that's tough. Remember, this isn't a hot dog eating contest is not an obesity contest. Not at all. Many of the best hot dog eaters are trim. small, trim people. Yeah. I don't know. Who's got the hunger in their eyes? That's the That's question. That's the question. That might be a tie. You both look very hungry. <laughs> it has been several hours since we've eaten. <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah, okay. hot dogs. You guys only eat hot dogs. We all know that. Right, yeah. Finally, pole dancing strip off. Oh. I'm sorry, but Jesse would win. Really? You'd win the arm wrestling and Jesse would yeah, win pole dancing. I don't know. I feel like I'm more comfortable in my body with my sexuality. Well, you have that Speedo already. I do own a Speedo. But in the way that Jesse would work the clothes he had on, gradually taking them off. Oh, you're so okay. He so might you're work the shirt off. I would have more accessories. And Got- keep the suspenders on and snap the suspenders against his nipples. Like, there's a oh. lot of Okay, no, 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 I get that shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Much Coffee asked me specifically which interview made me the most nervous. Definitely Bill Withers. Especially when he got up in my face about different stuff. Um, I was terrified because he's one of my favorite musicians ever of all time. And also uh, famous for not liking to do interviews. And uh, That's a lot to be up against not liking to be starts. in the Not liking to be in the public eye. Um, Janet, have you done any interviewing in your career? Um, from time to time, I'll do, like, TBS had me do some stuff at the comedy festival, so I interviewed comics and stuff. I think for more than anything, and then I did a, I do a little bit at Sketchfest. I did the mm-hmm. Bud Court one, and I think maybe I've done something else. But, um, but even just, I was thinking about that when you said that. I was thinking about people that I meet at Sketchfest and who, who really makes me nervous for one reason or another, and it doesn't happen that often. But I was really nervous around James L. Brooks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I was pretty nervous. Flop sweat? I kind of did. I mean, I really was like, whatever I say, it won't be even 5% as clever or funny as whatever he's thinking sure. right now in this <laughs> moment. So, fuck it. Um, Jordan, I'm guessing this one's for you, although I don't know. It's possible you have an opinion, Janet. Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? I mean, that's... I, yes, I mean, Street Fighter, pretty 
pretty easily. I don't dislike Mortal Kombat. I, in fact, like, like the Mortal Kombat games quite a bit. I'm very excited for the new one. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but Mortal, Mortal Kombat's are, uh, yeah, they're, they're snacks. I think the Street Fighter games are meals. Um, Tom. Janet? Janet, uh, do you have an opinion? Never played either based on name alone. I like the poetry of Mortal Kombat. No, sure. I, this is a better name. Tom. It's spelled with a K, by the way. Combat is spelled oh, with a K. So. Take it back. Take it back. Street okay. Fighter. <laughs> Tom Can't Dickinson e- uh, says, why are you, this meaning me, so aggressively against people emailing you? You're always all, and don't fucking email me about this, nerds. <laughs> I guess that's less a question than just me calling you out on something you do a lot. Well, I, I'll tell you what I do a lot. Give out my email address. My actual personal email address. The one thing that I don't like to receive emails about is grammar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like um, people who correct other people's spoken grammar are horrible people. <sighs> and they also listen to public radio. So I tend to get They're too... They're writing in to tell you that you misspoke yes. just grammatically. Yes. Oh. They tend to assume that I write everything that I'm going to say. And th- and thus I've miswritten it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I have a few times on the air joked about you're allowed to email me about anything except my grammar, uh, or to request that Tina Fey be a guest on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because yes, if I could book Tina Fey, oh. I most certainly <laughs> would Why book Tina Fey. Why haven't you yet, Jesse? She's Gosh. clearly knocking down your door. To yeah. There's only one. Show. There's only one explanation. I'm sexist. Yep. Sure. Um, okay, let's see what I'm sorry, else. but I just saw something from Duck of Doom, and it just made me interested to what okay. Duck of Doom was. Duck oh, of yeah. Doom asks, my girlfriend has horrible taste in media. She loves Joanna Man. How can I steer her towards quality without being a dick? Just break up with her. I don't, I think it's, it's a lost cause. That's a great question. drifted apart. That is actually a great question. Of course you guys don't want to answer because it's a legitimate, hard relationship <laughs> question. Yeah, right. Let's get back to the street fighter questions. Uh, wow. No, yeah. Any t- Janet, have you, ever, have you ever been in a relationship where you couldn't stand the person's taste in music, movies, etc.? I got to be honest. I have, and I have not, I've not sugarcoated it because I think if the person's with you, they may respect... I mean, either it works or it doesn't, but if you honestly think that something that, some, that someone you care about is garbage... Then, then you should just say, like, I think that's garbage. And I can almost guarantee you, if she loves you, she's going to start agreeing with you. If you have a strong enough opinion about it, it might actually sway her. Well, I told my wife when we first got together that she could have listened to as much Ani DeFranco as she wanted as long as I wasn't there. I bet she doesn't listen to her anymore. Nope. I have a lot of respect for Ani DeFranco. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want to have to listen to it. I understand that. She seems like a, a brave, strong woman. She seems like, uh, I agree with that, but there are a lot of artists, musical artists in, in my life, and I didn't ever really get into Ani, but I had certainly lots of friends who did. But certainly and Tori. growing up in San Francisco, I did go through Tori phase when I was in high school, but that's what they seem like to me is all due respect and necessary, but phases. Like, I couldn't continue to like them for more than a couple of years and they are great for the couple of years that you have them but then let let the new generation of people find them and enjoy them for their couple of years and we'll just kind of keep handing down the tradition of loving <laughs> the tori amoses sure whereas you have your musical artists that you carry with you through your lifetime 
Okay, not the Ruddles asks, will the Max Fun intern keep her job? Yes, of course. Lindsay, the admirable Max Fun intern, will keep her job uh, despite her misadventures in call screening. Um, she will most certainly keep her job. For Janet, for okay. you, we've been giving the intern shit. Okay. So. That's not a surprise. Here's an interesting question. Jason Sims asks us, he's fond of cravats. What would be a career that would allow him to A, bring home the bacon, and B, wear cravats daily? What? What's a cravat? Uh, it's, like a, um, it's like a necktie, but um, it's sort of like halfway between a necktie and a scarf. Yeah, it's a little scarfier. wider and scarfier. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking Viscount. Comes to mind. That's very good. Yeah. Anything where you're barking orders at people and it's not this century. Yeah. <laughs> We're all yeah. set. Light light opera director. That's very good too. Time traveling gold thief. <laughs> also very like good. The beginning of time cop. Yeah. I don't think he wears a cravat. No, no, but I'm saying you could go back in time to various yes. gold shipments. Especially if the cravat was the magic yeah, that was right. allowing that to happen. Yeah, oh, yeah, magic cravat. There oh. you go. Just uh, imbue a cravat yeah. with time travel You know magic. what? You might even be able to work at, like, Sotheby's or something oh, and wear a cravat. Oh, yeah, sure. That's a legitimately serious answer, but you so know is what? light opera director. One of the things that I think in so inspires me about watching the Antiques Roadshow is imagining myself in a career as an antiques appraiser or auction house owner in which I would essentially get to dress like a sophisticated East Coast homosexual yeah. all the time yeah. as part of my career. Yes. That if I wasn't wearing a bow tie and, uh, you know, a custom suit, that I would be disappointed. You would be taken less seriously. In yeah. what other career could that possibly be true? Unless I was working on the Confederate weapons desk. Right. <laughs> um, that guy's not that well dressed. Uh, um, Jordan, do you think that the definitive chronology, this from Tom Dixon, do you think that a cr- definitive chronology of the Zelda games is possible or desirable? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I've, uh, I, yes, I think that's fine. I know that it gets a little complicated, uh, after, after Majora's Mask, but I think you can definitely put them into a chronology, and I think that the kind of popular method is the right one. Okay, Tom Dickens. By which I mean branching timelines after Majora's Mask. I think that's fine. I think that's reasonable. I don't think it detracts from the uh, games as their own entities. It's fine. Use that. Janet, we're podcasting. Oh, God. Second part of my... No. Okay. (laughs) To further expound on this. Um, Okay, here's one from our friend, the cartoonist Steve Wolfhard, who actually sent uh, in just the most charming cartoon of... Uh, the thorn baby being born. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just such a delightful thing. And thank you so much for sending that in, Steve Wolfhard. Um, his question is, what time do you wake up? And by what means do you mm-hmm. wake up? I actually have found myself... This is one old man thing that has happened to me. Um, I s- just wake up at 7.30 in the morning, no matter what I do. And in fact, this morning, and we were recording this on a Sunday, I woke up at 7.00. And I was just awake. Mm. Me too. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I might say me three. I'm on a pretty strict uh, internal clock. About seven is about right. I set my alarm for 7.30. I have a nice clock radio. I wake up to KPCC 89.3 here in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, but I, my, uh, I've been, been waking up about 7.30 for, for several years now, and that's, that's kind of how it's, how it's been. And yeah, even when I feel like when I have a day to sleep in, sometimes my body won't let me, and then I get mad. I woke up at 7 this morning, but I, I don't always wake up at the same time every day. But what does happen to me is I always wake up 10 minutes before the alarm is set, whether that's 6.30 in the morning or uh, yeah. 9.30 in the morning. I will always wake up in anticipation of the alarm just a handful of minutes before it goes off. Um, Tom asks why I don't drink alcohol. Is, is it just that I don't like it very much or do I have some moral or personal reason to drink? I think I've talked about my childhood of going to AA meetings with my dad uh, because my parents were divorced because my dad was an alcoholic. And I think after it, when you're like eight and after a certain number of rock bottoms that you hear about from homeless people... Um, no, my seriously, my dad and my stepmother are both in recovery. And, uh, I think I get the impression that maybe if my mom didn't get migraines from drinking, uh, she might've gotten there herself at some point in her life. So, uh, it seemed like rolling the dice, uh, basically. And, uh, I would like to say that I do drink because it makes me funnier. Yeah. <laughs> or, You're not funny without drinking. No. Without a couple drinks before you get on stage. Oh, but then I get rolling. Um, I had the most delightful experience when I was at this mod castle, uh, Colton Dunn was getting ready to perform. Um, and, uh, first of all, his bit was absolutely hilarious, but he, he had this backpack on and he took off his backpack and I realized, I, I said to him, man, you know, it's a comedian when the complete contents of your backpack are, um, it was, uh, a Jizza t-shirt and a giant can of Heineken. Like wow. a like a twenty ounce can of Heineken. Wow! And uh, he corrected me. He's like, "Nah, man, I got some weed in here too." Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, what was the print of your last kids themed bedsheet set? Uh, that's from Zombie Babies. Uh, I actually only had one themed bedsheet set. I really wanted uh, Major League Baseball themed bedsheet sets, but uh, that kind of stuff was, as a general rule, not in the cards for me. But I did, thanks to a misunderstanding with my grandma, who did not participate in popular culture and just read a lot of Dickens novels, have a Rainbow Bright bed bed sheet set, which is for girls. Sure. Yes, it is. I've only ever had one, and it was the Muppets. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's about as good as it gets. I wish I still had them, for sure. I think I had primary color dinosaurs. Oh, that's good. That's really solid. Yeah. That is really solid. Uh, Jordan, what's your favorite Warren Zevon song, David asks? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's cliche to say Werewolves of London, but it's the best one. I would, But I would say second runner-up, The Envoy. The Envoy. There you go. Sure. Okay. Let's see what, let's see what we got up here, up top here. Um, when will we hold a meetup in Boston or surrounding areas? Asks Katie, I don't know. Maybe you should pay for us to do a show there. Yeah, Katie, stop being such a freeloader. Yeah, God, give me a break. Um, or when I have to go to Boston for work. Fake name 311 says he loves it when I explain hip hop to indie rock fans. Uh, what is Odd Future? Is it good and why? They sure like saying fag. Okay, number one, 
Rappers will say the N-word and fag a lot, and that's just the reality of listening to rap music. Uh, very rarely is rap music actually about uh, like hating gays. Um, there is some, uh, but you just have to take it as a cultural artifact of a world in which things are different. Uh, so there's that. If you want to enjoy the rap music, you don't have to decide that it's good or you don't have to decide it's good or support it, but it's just what it is. Um, Odd Future are these, uh, I can't remember what their, their full name is a little bit more complicated than that. They're these teenage guys from here in Los Angeles that do this kind of rap music that is, um, yes, it is very good. Um, what it is, is it's kind of like, it's funny, I was just recording with uh, Nas from the rap blog uh, Cocaine Blunts for a new segment that we're going to do on The Sound of Young America where we talk about new rap songs. And we sort of settled on a description of it being something like like the ultimate expression of teenageriness, which is that it's kind of gleeful and uh, just really misanthropic. Um, and it's a little bit like... Um, it's a little bit like a fun version of um, of horrorcore uh, that happened in the early to mid-1990s, which like, but specifically the Gravediggers, which I really love the Gravediggers, which they were very self-aware and metaphorical. Um, it wasn't just about like, oh, let's be dark and scary. It was a very kind of funny uh, but dark thing. And they're sort of like that, uh, but in a kind of gleeful, teenagery way. Um, they have this amazing video. I can't remember which song it's for. Uh, where they're just the whole video, like they just shot it themselves with camcorders. Basically, is is them putting all kinds of different intoxicants in a blender and then drinking it and then throwing up. <laughs> all right, um, that's pretty teenage and gleeful. It is, and it's it's it is really good. Although it's a lot to spend a lot of time with. Jesse, quick, I have a quick question. Yeah, Along sure. Along those lines, you mentioned horrorcore. Uh, you know how there's you know there's like a segment of the film criticism world that will look at, you know, movies like, uh, you know, like Porky's and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that and kind of, you know, regard it as high art. Is there a section of the music criticism or hip-hop criticism world that does that with Insane Clown Posse. No, there's no... <laughs> no one respects Insane Clown Posse. Okay, so that's... At least even... in hip-hop world. They, they could not be less respected because they are terrible. Sure. Terrible rappers. Okay. Um, there really couldn't be worse rappers. Their only success is in branding and independent business building. I think there are they have very legitimate fans and et cetera, et cetera, but they really there's no one less respected, I would say, in hip hop. And are now aren't there respected rappers who like align themselves with them? And I'm yes. sure that's business reasons. There are a couple of I'm trying to remember, there's uh there's a couple of kind of old school gangster rappers uh who joined their crew, like that are really respected regional gangster rappers from literally like the late 80s like the birth of gangster rap um that nas from cocaine blunts the kind of thing that he would really love and care a lot about that are that are sort of in the insane clown posse's extended family and that is uh that is basically in fact the guy who hosts that uh one of those uh insane clown posse meeting meeting videos what's that thing called gathering of the juggalos sure 
he's a very respected gangster rapper um, in a very small context. I mean, you know, they just, there's not a lot of business out there for them. Hmm. They're not really going to sell records. They're not yeah. hot in the streets. So maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe when those guys do do stuff like that. And I have also seen Coolio with an insane clown posse tattoo. It might be really? a similar thing. Yeah. Well, Coolio is just shameless i mean coolio has never been anything other than totally shameless yeah so maybe it's a when when you do see those guys it's just this kind of coolio here's, here's is, an audience that i can play to coolio is kind of like the black vanilla ice okay he's not that horrible he's not as bad of a rapper as vanilla ice is sure. but he was never i mean i heard him on weekend edition recently <laughs> talking about his cookbook enough said enough <laughs> said Okay. Um, look, that's enough questions. I feel like we've satisfied your curiosity. Thank you to everyone who, who, uh, uh, who sent in a question. And thank you to everyone who's listening to this because you donated. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. <clears throat> Jordan Morris, boy detective. Janet Varney. <sighs> hmm. Janet, I know that you might not be as in the loop as some of the loyal fans that are listening to this program right now about the kind of ins and outs of the secret things about Jordan, Jesse, It's true. Go. It's true, guys. We have, a, we, we have a fair number of recurring segments that we bring back from time to time. Only one of them <laughs> is our most popular segment ever. Only one of them is the one that people send email after email requesting. Only one of them is the one that once killed an elderly woman in Australia. Um, she was so excited to hear it that she died right there on the spot. Oh. And she went to heaven, oh. where this segment plays 24 and they hours a day. Dumped her body right in the billabong. Oh, that's an Australia reference. It is. There's only one most popular segment in the history of Jordan, Jesse, Go. That segment is Jordan Sings a Song. Yeah. <coughs> Jordan, can I ask what song you'll be performing for us? I'll be performing uh, the, the classic American standard, Old Grey Mare. <clears throat> Old Grey Mare, she ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be, Old Grey Mare, she ain't what she used to be, hear the words of the Lord. Please send your grammar complaint emails to... <laughs> JJ Go at MaximumFun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. La, la, la. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. If this, the goal of this program is for me to hate my own name because I have to say it <laughs> so many times, that's what's happened. Just we so. want people to remember who they heard on the program. Janet Varney, boring. Yeah, snoozer. Um, Janet, you say it a bunch and it starts to sound like nonsense. Janet Varney, Janet Varney, Janet Varney, oh. Janet Varney, Janet Varney. The great Janet, Janet Varney is uh, one of the hosts of the longest running television program in the world. <laughs> CBS's dinner in a movie. Uh, um, Gil Martin's been on it the whole time, right? The whole time. How long has it been? He's been on it like 15 years I'm or something, right? I'm going to say this might be the 16th year it's been on the air. Wow. 
Yeah. Good for him. He's a talented guy. He's so funny and he so deserves, quick. He deserves a good, a good television job, I a nice totally solid agree. television gig. And if nothing else, he can do this until that happens. Yeah. Because. <laughs> there you go. Because. <laughs> um, so you can catch Janet and Navarney. Janet and Navarney. <laughs> That's my band. Sure. Janet and Navarney. You guys are a Florence and the Machine I want, cover yeah, band, right? I wanted to act like I was allowing the rest of the band members to have a personality, but I just named it Janet and Navarney, name. so <laughs> it's really, really self-righteous. Every <laughs> Janet and the Varnettes. That's good. Yeah. Every uh, January, you can catch Janet Varney at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. That's sfsketchfest.com. You can follow it. I recommend it. If you're in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. you follow them on the Twitter at SF Sketch Fest. Sure. That way you don't miss anything. And you sure. guys have things throughout the year, right? It's not just in January. We do. We're doing shows with Cinematic Titanic oh, in May. Of- oh. If you check out our website, we're going to do a double feature. And we even have like a special ticket deal where you can get you can see two movies for a much better price. Because and you're such cool. a fucking nerd. Because we're giant nerds. Uh. One movie isn't enough. No. Let's face yeah. it. We need four hours with Joel. Yeah. Joel Hodgson, he's a nice, funny guy, isn't he? He's great. That whole cast is amazing. They were just so nice. They were on the San Diego America once. They're really nice. So nice. And then the Rift Tracks guys are great, too. Oh, it's fantastic. Like you know who, who, I, who I think would be a good Jordan, Jesse Go get for us? Who's that? Uh, Mary Jo Fell. I would love to have her sometime. Number we should get her. Good. We should get her. Yeah. Janet, anyway. what's her number? Oh, hold on. You know. <laughs> um, you can follow Janet Varney on the Twitters, at Janet Varney. Yeah. Oh, that's true, too. Oh, I better tweet something soon. <laughs> I for, there are days that go by that I forget about Twitter and then I realize and that's jump like on. the thing that people that's how people would keep in touch with Janet Varney that's true if and I, I will old, say I do jokes. answer I do spend a lot of time I think answering a lot of tweets which I don't know if people generally do but I don't have that my, I, mean, I have like a few followers but like if know. people tweet you with ideas for a cool food to pair with a particular third run movie sure or hey where are you going to be in a place I can creepily watch you I'll just go ahead and answer right <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah. here's the farmer's market I go yeah, to on Sunday why not bring a trench coat um, and hey this is a donors only episode I know we said it before but um Thank you so much to you who have, who have donated yes. to support MaximumFun.org. Agreed. Oh, is so very much appreciated by all of us here at Maximum Fun. Uh, you know, not just me and Jordan, but also Teresa and Julia and Nick and Dave and Graham and the McElroys and everybody, the Casper Housers and John Hodgman. Um, all of us really appreciate your support. And um, it's really great. I know for me personally that I can make a living making stuff that is, well, for one thing, just make a living making stuff, but also make a living making stuff that I want to make and that I think people will enjoy rather than what um, I think a, uh, you know, some entertainment executive would like or even some advertiser. I have to say as an outsider to a certain degree, I couldn't agree more and that every name you just rattled off those are some of the most talented people I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. So, there you go. Janet Varney for the McElroy brothers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking specifically now to the McElroy brothers. Um, so, th- thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Mine that? also. Okay, we'll talk to you next time on Jordan, Jesse, Go. <laughs>